0: That is the sound of the Bradenton Times podcast. I am Mitch Maley. I'm joined by my colleague Don Kitterman, and it has been another wild week in Manatee County, hasn't it? It has a lot going on again. So, we had a uh, was it a work session? Yeah, not a no, it was meeting on Tuesday, um, yeah. And one of the things that we learned was there is still some disagreement on whether or not. Mitchell Teitelbaum was an employee of the county, and as such, if there is anything for the county to investigate regarding the complaint that alleged inappropriate and uninvited touching uh, on his first day. So the rundown from the county commission, it was interesting because uh, you seem to have a little bit of a divide there on kind of why things were the way they were, Um, but... The chair's position, Mr. Van Ostenbridge, seems to be he was not an employee. That's what I thought was never an employee. And there's nothing for the county to investigate. And we shouldn't even be voting on anything. Uh, this is kind of a, you know, moot issue.
1: Well, I think Van Ostenbridge took that position when Vanessa Baugh made the motion to unconfirm title bomb, But he was the one who brought the proposal to that there should be an investigation. Correct. He felt that it was, you know, quote unquote, cancel culture.
0: Yes, that's right. We to that to thing,
1: right. Um, you know n- not conduct some sort of investigation into clearing his name. I mean, he said a number one, Van Austin Bridges' priority of an investigation should be to first verify whether or not these these allegations have any merit, mm-hmm. and then once that's established, I guess
0: I don't know I, where it goes from there. And I agree, and I, I think the, <clears throat> the, I guess the big question everybody would have would be whether the county could competently and unbiasedly conduct any sort of investigation. It seems like anything that the, this hyper-political administration is going to do is going to be reverse-engineered from whatever outcome they want. I don't think they're trying to scapegoat Title in any way. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to avoid, avoid a sticky situation, so to speak. And look...
1: It, I don't know that
0: there is
1: because of the nature of what is at the moment, right? So I don't know that there is a way to have it or even just the optics of an unbiased investigation, right? This sort of a scenario should have been dealt with immediately and swiftly by HR. There are, despite some of what was said by commissioners or confusion by some of commissioners about what the protocols are and if they're followed or not, Everybody can Google the manual for personnel employee of Manatee County. It is adopted and approved by the commission. Um, And it is very clear on a step-by-step what happens in this scenario. And the first step should have been in the Department of HR. There should have been a written complaint immediately on the first time it was reported. That should have been, that's where the determination gets made on the merit. Right. And then it's supposed to go to the uh, I guess the, the director of that department would then uh, consult with the administrator who would then appoint some sort of outside uh, unbiased investigative body to look into or decide if that's mm. that's warranted. Right. But we've got a situation here where Kevin Van Austin Bridge said in the meeting that day. Us commissioners are going to choose or should choose, who the investigative body would be if we vote to do this. And we're not going to allow the administrator or the county attorney to have any role whatsoever in choosing who will investigate in communicating with the investigating body, uh, I guess unless they were to be questioned, um, which is kind of, it's bizarre. It's like the, the commissioners, Kevin is saying, we can't, the administrator can't be a part of this. The county attorney can't be a part of it. Who's left? So I guess it's up to us. We decide if there should be an investigation. And then, and then he also said, and we will set the scope of the investigation if we vote for an investigation. That to me, as a citizen listening to that, also doesn't give me peace of mind of if they had gone forward with that plan. Is that really going to produce an on un- How do we know?
0: So, a lot of moving parts there. You have to consider first that Title was obviously Hopes' guy. Right. So, it, it was, you know, he was bringing him over from the school district. There was a lot of rumors that the intent was to eventually make him the county attorney mm-hmm. to replace Bill Clegg. And so, obviously, it would seem that Hopes would have, you know, uh, a conflict of interest right. in, in having anything to do with it. Um, the next part becomes... Sources at the school district have told me that Teitelbaum has has insinuated that he and Clay did not mesh well, and and that there was there was you know uh, a discomfort with him coming in as an attorney at that high position or whatever the case was. So now you do have a situation where if the alleged you know perpetrator is alleging that the county's attorney has a conflict of interest in that case, then. Those two get muddied up a little bit. So then, ideally, maybe it would be, well, what if the board just took care of this and eliminated the administration, since it seems to be administratively a conflict, but we can't reliably trust our board to do anything.
1: Especially in, in this a, scenario, because
0: we In know. any scenario, but oh, yeah, yeah but, but,
1: but in this scenario, because we know there may be conflicts of interest among some of them about what they're... Correct preset opinion yes. or assessment is on what happened here. Um, you know, it, it's no secret that Commissioner Van Austin Bridge has been a champion of, of Scott Hopes and and yes. really how Scott Hopes got there to begin
0: with. No question that Scott Hopes owes <clears throat> his job to Kevin Van Austin Bridge.
1: And, and I can see very much in, in many of the text messages that I have reviewed, there's a lot of communication that happens between yes. Van Austin Bridge and Scott Hopes by comparison to other commissioners and Scott Hopes. Yes,
0: and without... And even prior to him being the chair. So the part of that, you know, that that kind of suggests is that Ben Austinbridge probably very shrewdly wanted to have his guy who, and let's face it, no one else was looking to hire Scott Hopes. He was applying for, you know, uh, a superintendent of Sarasota schools, chancellor of USF, And, you know, he was never even selected as a finalist for any of those positions. He desperately needed a job. And when you have one guy basically putting you in a job and giving you you know, significantly more pay than the predecessor, uh, you kind of owe that person. And if you're an elected official and you're only the member of a board who's only really empowered by a majority vote of the board, it could be very advantageous strategically to have the person who then executes the will of the board feel indebted to you in some way. Mm-hmm.
1: And then on the other side of that, we've got Commissioner Vanessa Ball, who we know was very upset about, you know, the response to this and an employee being put on leave and walked out of the building. And does not,
0: at this point, have mm -hmm. a good relationship with Hopes, you know, even prior to that. There seemed to be a lot between them.
1: Hmm. I I mean, I don't know. I'm not clear on that. In in the meetings, she's always. She seems very
0: supportive of him, but. She always talks about what a great job he's doing told by a lot of people he doesn't think the most of her. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> So know. I don't think it took much, um, you know, for her to, to, right. to move that way. Because she probably, you know, if, if I'm hearing it, she probably is as well.
1: So, you know, and there, and there was a really interesting little exchange between the two of them, between yes, um, yes. Vanessa Baugh and Van Austin Bridge when they were, you know, in the part of discuss- discussing the um, – the merit of whether or not to have the investigation. And I can't remember exactly what was said, but the exchange was something to the extent of where, you know, Van Austinbridge says, if we go forward this with this investigation, I think some things will come out that aren't gonna look too good. And Commissioner Boss says, I agree. And I think some things are going to come. And I have a sneaking suspicion the two things that the two of those separate people think will come out that aren't going to look good aren't the same Same things. things. (laughs) (laughs) Just a hunch. So um, it it is interesting. And then in in the end, ultimately, like you said, everybody was kind of came to the consensus that the man was never an employee, so therefore he... He doesn't get, he hasn't earned, he doesn't... Well, how would you even say that? Well, so,
0: so let's just walk this down from a like an HR perspective. First of all, let me say that I think, you know, and if Mr. Titlebaum is calling for an investigation, I think that he should be entitled to one because I do think that, you know, he, he is alleging or he is, he is defending himself and saying nothing of this nature has happened. This is completely fabricated. And if we allow that possibility for a moment... Then you like I totally understand protecting the alleged victim and saying you know we have to protect that person's identity, all those different aspects of it, and you want to create an environment where people are comfortable coming forward when they have been you know uh, uh, mistreated in the workplace. But at the same time, we we do sort of live in a world where if that complaint is made and it's not investigated then it, you're sort of guilty by association. So then, mm-hmm. that, now, does it look good that he, you know, resigned the same day that, you know, uh, uh, the complaint was entered? Does it look good that, you know, he came back to the school board the same day that the, or back to school administration and then to the school board that evening, the same day that the complaint was finally entered. And let's remember, it was made twice prior. So as you said, two times it was taken to HR and it was never officially made. So it seems like there's a possibility that there was an attempt to squash, you know, the, 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 the problem there. And that would suggest that at least some people at that point then obviously knew about it. You had more than just a couple people at that point mm-hmm. that had to know about it. And it might have went all the way up. I would, I, I really don't think an HR director is going to hear a complaint of that level, say they can't find the form or whatever, and not tell the county administrator about it. Um, so, you know, there, there's a question of how big did that get? I'd have to think pretty big before finally the person's department supervisor said, nope, we're getting this on the record on what was it the 13th
1: right so more than a week later yeah
0: so in a week of like at mm-hmm. least a handful of people had to know about this and then the same day where it was like yeah we can't keep this under wraps anymore now it's on paper then you resign you weren't saying i didn't do anything you know i'm completely innocent and i won't go anywhere until this is investigated i have rights too right so that doesn't look great but mm-hmm. at the same time it doesn't it Obviously, doesn't prove guilt either. So, you know, I think you kind of owe everybody involved in an investigation at that point. So you can look at it and say, you know, hey, you know, if the person doesn't really work here, what can we do? And yes, I think the school board is correct in like, I'm not sure how effective we can be in conducting the investigation. And that was brought up with the board. Oh, hey, you know, if you want to conduct it, I think Ben Ostenbridge said that if you want, if the school district wants to, go ahead. You can, you know, Talk to the county employees, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's feasible. I don't think that's practical. Um, they don't have that kind of scope of jurisdiction. And I don't think I don't think you could expect the victim then to say, I'm gonna talk to an outside agency, you know, that that's probably a violation of their rights. Um, you know, so that gets into some sticky things. So it is the only recor- are you saying then by suggesting that that the only recourse is like a criminal complaint? Um I don't know. So I I do think that regardless of whether that person works there anymore, I think you owe it to both the former employee and the the person making the complaint to come to some resolution on what happened. And
1: I think another part of this too, um, is this conversation or assertion around he was not an employee. Yeah. Uh, that's really confusing to me
0: and not true. I mean, you have an employee ID you have a badge a badge, badge and access an yeah, office yeah. you've you've signed your letter of intent and accepted right. the offer and you've been confirmed you're an employee right
1: and and I and think you're being
0: presented to these employees that that's the was important the point part. I, yeah. that
1: was the part I was going to make at, the, at at the point at which whatever is alleged to you know whatever what the allegation says, whether it happened or didn't happen or somewhere in between lies the truth of what happened. Um, no doubt that employee and other employees who were to be under title bomb understood him to be their boss at that yes, point. Yes. Um, so and, and, certainly, and, why would they think
0: anything? So other when you than think that? about harassment, a lot of the, as I understand it, a lot of it depends on power structures and the leverage that one person has over the other, and that you can, you know, uh, uh you can create a situation where a person is disincentivized to express their discomfort with your behavior because you have leverage over them in the power structure of that company. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you present that person, regardless of whether he's on the clock that day, he's in the building while you're at work and it's, Hey, here's your new boss that creates that dynamic. And now you have the ability for somebody to, uh, uh, you know, for a legitimate harassment complaint. So at that point, I think once you allow that person and represent that person that way, regardless of any technicality, of whether they got a paycheck or whatever, uh, which I don't know, um, but I I don't really think that, I think definitionally, you're definitely an employee from a harassment perspective. Now, you
1: had just said a little bit that, you know, as far as what other points of recourse there might be for the alleged victim. What? What then, if we are to accept that he was not an employee of the county and on the date that this is alleged to have happened, his resignation was submitted but had not yet gone through the process, it hadn't been finalized or what have you, Um, what would keep this employee from then going and filing a report over to the school district? Because he would have been an employee of the school district at that point. I mean, isn't that what happened last not time? Not really,
0: because wish- the... the- he wasn't an employee
1: of the school district. Well, I guess if you rescind it, then you never weren't an well, but, employee. But, but remember, right. he didn't rescind it until December 13th. Right,
0: but my point is that if you rescind something, then from a logical perspective, it's almost like you never ceased to be it, right? <laughs> like, we're, we're getting into a logical trap here. I know. Really
1: it's, I'm just trying to understand. But here's like, the other
0: part from the school district. If he misrepresented, and if, and if he's going to say, you know, oh, these are all coincidences— and I was really just, you know, leaving because I wasn't a good fit for the agency or I thought somebody, you know, saw me as competition was out to get me over the cases. And I had no idea these allegations had been made, you know, a week prior or that they had been filed that same exact day officially. Finally, um, and that's all a coincidence. Uh, that's a lot to accept. And if you don't accept it, then I think you're in the position as the superintendent to say, you know, I'm going to recommend that that to the board that we do a termination or that we rescind or rescinding confirmation or whatever, however you want to say it at that point, because we were misled in terms of what was happening there. So I would feel really angry if I was the superintendent and I got this first story and then find out all this other information that looks like, hey, it sounds like you were lying to me and you came in here and just, you know, wanted to CYA on this um and make sure he still had a paycheck somewhere uh and you're dumping this big mess on my lap right before i retire by the way and it's kind of the last thing the school district needs to deal with right now but now we've created a situation where the school board can't sit on its hands so the school board has, and again if now if you're a board member because every one of those board members seven or five-oh to say okay we send it he's back I would feel really misled as a school board member to look at that and say, wait a minute, you want me also to buy that this is all a coincidence and that you didn't know that this big hornet's nest was over in the county and now you're bringing it back to us? That was very misleading. I wouldn't have voted that way I would, have, or at least I would have had way more questions had that been done or maybe we would have said, well, we're going to gonna have to pen the outcome of some investigation before we take this up. So I think there's a lot for the school district to be upset about. And then when you take it one step further, and you say that we've well, elected this new board, a lot of them on this thing about what books are in the library and rumors and all these different issues that seem like boogeymen in the closet. Well, here you have a potential, you know, if you have somebody who now has multiple accusations of, you know, misconduct in the workplace of a sexual nature, then that's problematic as well, because now here's, here's a real issue that you might be able to actually deal with rather than a made-up one that you read on the internet. And if you're not going to do anything on the real one, you're not going to ask any questions at least, that really kind of sticks a big, giant ice pick in your credibility. I,
1: on the other hand, I don't know how, you know, as an employee of the district, which he is currently and has been all along, uh, he has rights as an employee over there. So I don't really see how the district can within his rights keep him on paid leave.
0: No, I think they have to I think they have to do a couple things here or at the very least I think their recourse could be to look at that vote again and say we did not exercise it with the full information that's available, but then it gets in the hard part of, well, we still don't have the full information because now all we have is the allegation and no investigation to see if it had merit. Um, But I think they could just take the dishonesty of it. And again, I understand that Mr. Teitelbaum is saying this is all, you know, a giant gaggle of coincidences that these things all happen together. Um, But, you know, that doesn't pass a smell test. You know, from somebody who's been a journalist for decades, the idea that this was out there for about a week Mm-hmm. More than a few people had to know about it. It never got back to you, and you just coincidentally tendered your resignation and asked for your old job back on the very same day that the person finally was able to make an official complaint on the third effort. Yeah, That's a lot to ask, and again, if I was a board member, I would feel duped by the fact that I was asked to vote on something without any of that full information, I'd be very upset about that. I would feel the same way if I was a superintendent, well, well now, if that's the way it happened.
1: Well, now, in fairness to board members and and how that went down, I went back and watched the start of that meeting. There is no explanation, questions, or otherwise. It just simply says, um, Chad Choate, uh, the chair, mm-hmm. just simply says that the superintendent you know, has advised us or requested that We table, so not necessarily rescind his resignation, but that's interesting. That's interesting. Postpone it, right? Um, per his request. That's interesting. So nobody, nobody said, "Hey, this is why he wants us to do this." Very good point. So there would be no questions
0: asked. We're just tabling it for now. That that (coughs) seems to suggest there's going to be another motion or another action at that point. Right. Tabling and means, they we're just going to kind of leave this in limbo for a minute.
1: And based on the statement that Mr. Teitelbaum did provide to our publication and what I've read in other publications, assuming that where they quote him, they're quoting him accurately, I'm gathering that, you know, his tabling of it was like, um, hey, let's just hold the brakes You know, there's weird crap going on, and until I understand what all the weird crap is, I'm not ready to, like, join on to, like, a hostile work environment or whatever. Now, again, what level of what he knew, it it does seem hard to imagine that there wouldn't have been at least some understanding that somebody at that point had alleged something inappropriate. What I'm most
0: curious about is— You bring up that term, tabling. Correct. Uh, That is very, very interesting because, again, if you, I use the term inaccurately, rescinded it. Right, they did not. They did not. They only tabled it, which would seem to be, then provide them with the ability to say, all right, we've tabled it. And now we're going to vote on accepting it. Will we accept it?
1: Well, what we don't know though is between the point in time where they agreed to table it mm-hmm. and all this other stuff has come out, it is possible, and I don't know, I haven't asked, and, I, and I'm really only thinking of it now because we're having this discussion, but it is possible that somewhere in this timeline now, he has since, Mr. Teitelbaum, has since rescinded and said, never mind, I'm not resigning now, I don't want to go anywhere. You know, and so if that's the case, then the tabling would be a mute point. It wouldn't be coming back before the board. Again, these are weird, logical. Yeah, let's,
0: uh, we're we're gonna put a uh, records request in um, with the school district to to discover that. As soon as we're done the podcast, that'll be the first thing I do. So hopefully we can get back to you on that. But where we're at right now with that is still in limbo. Uh, Mr. Teitelbaum is still on uh, paid administrative leave with the school district. He is not working with the county. The county still never responded to our request on that, but we, we know for certain now that he is not a county employee. Um, and there is no investigation happening as of now. Uh,
1: and we know that there never was one.
0: There never was one, right. One there, was never right, initiated. Was never initiated. And, and we as of do- now, there, and, there and has not. And we
1: still don't know exactly what the story is about, and maybe there will be an investigation into this separately. I don't know. But we still don't know what what is... What was the reason that one employee was marched out, placed on administrative leave, and another yeah, employee yeah. was reassigned? That's the other,
0: that's the, well, that's the thing that I took from that comment of it might, some bad things might come out if we look at this, because an investigation outside is going to consider that, that, wait a minute, the person who filed the complaint was moved to a different building and the person that was their supervisor was put
1: on leave. Again, I say go to my reporting, my most recent one on this story click on that link that will take you to the to the employee policy and procedure manual and look specifically at what it says about retaliation after a complaint is filed. It's very problematic. And, yeah. and it is one thing to say he was never an employee, so there's no there there to investigate. That does not then just delete the right. response exactly. at the time when this person... Right presumably thought he
0: was an employee
1: that still matters.
0: Right. And when you look at how troubled to use it, uh, the term, uh, that's probably really understating it, how troubled the County HR department has been over the past year. Um, I don't think they want that being looked at. And again, we have a lot of turnover, (coughs) excuse me. We have a lot of turnover. We have a lot of, um, new employees and this is just one more embarrassment for scott hope's administration of hey you're replacing it with all these supposedly super qualified people with you know all these uh degrees and so forth but it doesn't seem like they know what they're doing (laughs) something yeah so the hr perspective is interesting all right so moving on another bombshell that dropped again we're recording this on friday so if you listen to this sunday edition if you do subscribe apple podcasts um uh where else simplecast uh uh what's the big one spotify amazon music anywhere you can listen to podcasts stitcher you can get the bradenton times podcast for free you just click to follow it and then that way you'll get alerts that we uh have dropped a new episode and they usually come out friday afternoons so friday morning uh this morning we reported that A big shakeup at what was expected to be a a pretty tame meeting yesterday in which the Manatee Legislative Delegation, so that's your state representatives and senators for this area, uh, met at City Hall in Bradenton and were talking about, you know, they're about to head into their annual 60-day legislative session and they were talking about some of their priorities and West Bradenton's Will Robinson dropped a bombshell when he said The state might have to intervene on the county and city of Holmes Beach, really, uh, parking situation. And how they're going to do that is he's going to offer legislation that would allow the county to permit its own structures on... County property on the island and and not need the city's approval so that they could build a multi story parking garage. That's what I got from it. But then it was also said that was unanimously supported across the board. So it was Robinson, Boyd, uh, Senator Joe Gruders, who's the East County representative, uh, the Air Force, retired Air Force guy, um, Tommy Gregory. Tommy Gregory. uh, Unanimous support across the board. And then they brought up the idea of maybe we need to consolidate the governments of the three island cities. It would save taxpayers and make things simpler. Uh, And I don't know, you know, there was a lot of detail on that part, whether that would mean like it would become unincorporated Manatee County and then your county commission could just decide everything on the island, uh, which I know the islanders aren't going to be happy about um or consolidated into one maybe the city of Santa maria which seems to be the one that is most in line ideologically from what we hear from uh uh mr van austenbridge but really what we have here is a pissing match between commissioner van austenbridge and homes beach mayor judy titsworth and her board and or her council and how much parking spaces should be made available in Holmes Beach. So even though Holmes Beach has more than uh, uh, the other cities, even though it has far more than it needs for state and federal funding, um, due to complaints from residents, you know, as as there's much more tourism on Anna Maria Island and much more, you know, traffic coming to it that, you know, parking on lawns, urinating in, you know, yards and, you know, leaving trash and beer cans and everything everywhere, uh, they decided to reduce what had been some legal parking. Um, but again, well within the, the, the amount of access that you need to provide, they kind of, it was kind of cool in the sense that you can always get a lot of parking because they overprovided it. It was like, wait a minute, I can park here? Like right on the edge of this grass here? Um, and they restricted a lot of that. And I, I understand, you know, I've, I've always vacillated a little bit because on, on the one hand, I don't like the idea of like, sometimes you have some Islanders that are like, okay, I'm here now, keep everybody out. And I don't want the traffic and I, I want everything to be perfect. And they'll often throw up that they provide the lion's share of, a vastly disproportionate share of property taxes, which is true, but I've always counted back that you also get federal beach renourishment dollars, which means there's people in Iowa who are helping to make sure that you can have a house on the beach when it doesn't really work without a ton of engineering going into keeping the island from doing what islands want to do, which is kind of move around in terms of their surf and everything. Um, so I've always been a champion of providing acceptable amount of access to the public. Mm-hmm. But we're also, you know, you get to a point where you can look at it and say, okay, this just isn't working. Um, and it's now not the balance I felt swung to the point where, yeah, this is a, a bigger, you know, tax, if you will, on island life than, than they should be, you know, made to put up with. And I don't see there being many solutions I don't see because the demand now for the island is so great mm-hmm. that I don't know. It's almost like like when people talk about the bridges. like, Oh, we need more access points. We need we need a third bridge to the And it's like it's still at the end of the day. Look at a map. It's a narrow little strip of Barrier Island that you can't expand the ability to move up and down on it, north and south. So all you're doing is getting more vehicles to a choking point when you you know build more access points. But then the other part, same with parking. Like, I don't imagine that you could build that much parking that would make even a dent uh, that's, in the demand. That's my
1: thinking, too, is I, I've always listening to different sides or all sides of this argument and debate. I, it seems to me you could build six parking garages. And what we will have is a lot of people circling parking garages, right. trying to find a place to park Be after, what? 8am, 9am. I mean, it's no different than what's, they're just, there's just only so much room. I, I, you know, I, like you said, it, it sucks because everybody wants to have access, but again, it is a limited
0: resource. Well, and and let's go back to the County too, with this whole, we're going to just develop the heck out of East County and our, our formerly, you know, agrarian hamlets, you know, way out and Parish and Ellington and all those places, and then we're going to build this road. I mean, the idea, uh, do you remember when they were pitching 44th Avenue will one day connect Lakewood Ranch to Cortez, and it's like, are you kidding me? You're going to spend over $100 million to connect a straight line from way out in Lakewood Ranch to uh, the beach, and you're going to really think that that's going to, like, provide good access for people moving to Lakewood Ranch to get to Cortez, which is absurd because you still, again, they all have to merge with everyone else trying to get to that little tiny strip of Barrier Island. But all this development being sold that way of, yeah, Future World's gonna take you right to the beach. Then yeah, you had a lot of people move here and think, hey, I'm right by the beach, I can go to it. It's like, no, you're not right by the beach, uh, especially if you don't want to leave before six in the morning. So to me that barrier island is always going to be regulated by the pain of the butt factor. And it's always going to be a, look, do you wanna take, and our rule is always, if we don't go by 9.30, we don't go. You know, because if you're on the road by 10 o'clock, it's a, it's a significant difference in trying to find parking and trying to get over the bridge. So, and really 9.30 is pushing it now, really it's it like is. before nine, if you really wanted mm-hmm. to, to not be uncomfortable. And that's fine, but that become and that's only from five miles, you know, outside. Five miles away, if you don't leave before nine, you're not going to have a great experience. Not the kind I want to have at the beach anyway. I don't want to hover. I'm not hovering for 45 minutes looking for a parking space. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, carrying my stuff from, you know, 10 blocks away. Um, and I'm also not taking a, a, a ferry from downtown Bradenton. <laughs> the idea that that's going to actually tamp down you know, tr- traffic to the beach is absurd. You know, some people might take it, you know, a lark and travelers and stuff, but that's going to have any impact and neither is busing or anything else because people want to take their car to the beach with all their ca- beach right, stuff in their I, car. And that's
1: what I was going to say. I think the ferry uh, would be a great resource, especially for, uh, well, people who live on the mainland and work on the island. I think it would be great for that purpose if they're not like going out there. It doesn't seem cost state. effective though. And then also uh, visitors if who, you're a service worker, if who you're are saying. staying inland, um, you know, there's
0: a yeah, lot you're of staying rental house, houses. You're and staying, you're just yeah.
1: wanting to go out to the island to browse shops or
0: hit Bridge Street yes. or uh, I'm not saying it won't dinner. be utilized. I'm saying that I don't if think you it's think it has be any the impact on to traffic, to, it's not.
1: And I don't think it's the
0: answer to beach parking. No. The, and again, the reality, I believe, is that the beach is never going to be easy to get to again. Until maybe we have a few red tide blooms and we destroy it, and, you know you can't go out there without coughing and seeing dead fish. Which we've had pr- pretty persistent red tide uh, these last, mm-hmm. you know, more than a month now. Um, the counts, the reports have been up, and this large post-hurricane swell has has been uh, moving all the way up to Hillsborough County, but it hasn't even broken up in Sarasota yet. So, uh, but that being said, I really feel like it's just gonna be a, I don't even think paying for parking is gonna change it. Like that, you know, debate comes up all the time and I'm not in support of it or a toll over it or whatever. Um, And I don't really think you should meter it with money. I think it's gonna be metered with, you know, who wants to stay 45 minutes and hover for a parking place and drive around the island, which yes, is that maddening to people who live on the island? Yes, but that I feel is almost like, well, that's what's gonna happen. You're living in a place where everybody wants to be so yes you're gonna have a lot of people just hovering around that's going to clog up the the arteries and stuff on the island that's unfortunate but i i think that's always going to be the arbitrating factor of beach traffic is who's how long does it take to get there how difficult it is to park and get on the sand and then who's willing to do that and i think every time it gets harder less and less people are willing to do that
1: I, and I do think that uh, this idea of a parking garage, I, you know, I suppose uh, modern engineering, there could probably be some cool ways to do it that it would not stand out maybe from the landscape is and I but Anna Maria Island still, despite the growth and development that's happened out there um, in the last two decades, still maintains, a uniqueness that is separate from like St. Pete Beach and
0: Siesta Key and,
1: and the rest of the county.
0: And that's interesting you say that, Don, because you know what? The one thing they have that's very different. Their own forms of local small government, where yeah. <laughs> unincorporated Manatee County does not, and they have aggressively zoned against development as much as they can. They've gone to court in some cases because you know everything down to like limiting drive-throughs and covenants and different things. Now, am I am
1: I understanding correctly? Have I heard that that's the whole issue with the parking garage is that Holmes Beach actually has like an ordinance yes, or something have, in writing they, that yes, they won't have a restriction parking on, garag- height,
0: on height on height. So, so it wouldn't allow you to build the uh, building that they wanted to build. So it's not specific on no parking garages, though? No, not my understanding is it's a height restriction. Okay. Um, which you'll see, you know, considerably there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting part is, is that it feels like Van Austin Bridge is trying to be the champion of the kind of Bradenton, particularly West Bradenton is district, natives or people who have lived here a long time that are sick of the idea of, hey... I live relatively close to the beach. If you look at it on the map, I'm right there, but I can't get to it anymore. And that's, that's a valid frustration. But the irony there is, hey, stop approving every single one of these developments that your developer paymasters keep putting before you. And maybe this wouldn't have happened. So, like, that's the hard part is that the casual observer that might say, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. You know, screw those Islanders. We want to go out there and park easily. We should be able to park on your lawn. Uh, that, that's an easy thing to get behind if you're kind of a casual observer to the process. But then you have to take it one step further and say, well, hey, wait a minute. What? Why is all this happening? Oh, well, it's the same guy or guys like him and gals like him that are approving any development anybody wants, including that one out by the racetrack that you guys were all against. You still old school sort of native Bradentons, um, that's the same person bringing you both, or bringing you the problem and then trying to bring you a solution that isn't a solution. I think you should more focus your anger on the idea of, hey, let's stop allowing developers to run politics, which the island cities kind of have done well. Now that they're that's changed a little bit, um, but Homes Beach in particular has. And the... I'm sure there are a lot of deep-pocketed individuals who would love to see the county take over the island and it be a no-holds-barred, do whatever you want, will approve any uh, development that comes from the right applicant. Um, And that sort of charm that you just spoke about that's distinct from other uh, islands would go away quickly. And that's why this isn't going to happen. Because one thing I can tell you is that those island city voters are vastly more engaged with their local community and its governments, and they are vastly more informed about the processes and and when things are happening and how to uh, organize against them. And they're not going to take kindly to the idea of, you know, somebody like Scott Hopes deciding what the island's going to look like uh, over time.
1: Well, and what, it, I mean, the thing that struck me first and foremost, um, understanding uh, the basics of this idea of, you know, let's propose that we go in and I guess consolidate. So, like you said, it'll either be county rule out there, or there'll maybe be one uh, of its own city, but it'll be in control. Like it'll gobble up the other two. I don't know which one gets to be the alpha in that situation. But
0: I have well, a feeling Holmes Beach doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's
1: going to be Holmes Beach. But you know what? A, what a weird thing too, because I, I listen so much. In county commission meetings, about talking about home rule, and we don't want anybody right, telling right. us from outside how we can and can't. I mean, except George, when we do, right? Right. And then it's like, oh yeah, I know that we talk about home rule and stuff, but you know, those little cities you got on the island, you won't be needing those anymore. <laughs> it's well, like, it's, what it's the same mistake. So we
0: we also so we again, this is one of those. It's not even irony; it's just complete hypocrisy. Where this whole tenet of conservatism. And conservatism, I've said this to somebody recently, is, is increasingly becoming defined on, is, if you agree with everything I do, then you're a true conservative. And it has <laughs> nothing to do with an actual ideology anymore because these tenets such as the best form of government is small government, keep government close enough where you can get your hands around its neck, all these old sayings of we don't want big government coming in and telling us how to do it. We want to do it here locally. But you also have a state government that is... You know, uh, Governor DeSantis has has done more to expand state power yeah. and erode home rule than any other governor, particularly uh, uh, Democratic ones. And even though it's been decades now since we've had one, it was the last last millennium. Um, but the uh, same thing then happens with the county: is that they accept it from from the state level and they don't defend their ability to have home rule, and now they're taking it one step down and say, well, we're going to erase home rule below us. So, you know, th- th- this idea that conservatism has anything to do with small government is constantly, constantly shown to be, you know, just nothing but but hot air.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's confusing, for, like, watching it happen. Yeah. It, it's... Conf- it, it, I honestly, I wish I would... Had that conversation happened in a meeting and those ideas been suggested by Kevin Van Austin Bridge himself, wouldn't have surprised me. Right. To read and understand that our delegates, our representatives at a higher level have- Proposed and support unanimously both of these actions. Yeah, and it feels
0: like it's coming from the county. And up, then, is what and you're then saying, right? and
1: yeah, and then also, and I don't know that that's, you know, but it I, feels that way. It, for it sure. does feel that I, I have a, a hard time
0: way. thinking that this wasn't pushed from a lower level up the ladder. And I was very surprised to see the unanimity in, in the support for it. It seemed very.
1: And then to also organized. hear from a mayor, I ha- she was like, apparently as uninformed as we were that this yeah. was going to be a thing. And you would think of it, someone at that level, a state representative, would at least engage in a conversation. Yeah.
0: You're going to introduce a significant piece of legislation and you're not even gonna talk with your constituent cities or your constituents there. I, I think That's I think it. Mr. Robinson is going to find himself quite surprised to see how how much blowback there is from a considerable amount of his West Bradington constituents, live in Island cities. Now, unfortunately, one of the things that the Islanders often bring up is that there are a lot of very engaged residents who can't vote here because they're snowbirds and they're registered in another state. Maybe this gets them to change their, uh, you know, their their registration state or something. Uh, but I think he's going to find that. He's kicked a hornet's nest that is uh, not going to just roll over and, and accept that this goes through. And I have, I, I suspect this winds up dying on the vine. I don't see it getting anywhere.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I asked you when we spoke about it yesterday, how, how big is the the resident pool? I mean, you just spoke of people who could maybe change their voter registration, but I mean, again, compared to two decades ago, right? when there were generational families who yeah, lived out yeah. there, you don't really have that anymore so much of it is and that's a problem we're seeing all through the county and, and it's it's
0: one of the things that the politicization of uh you know this ideological divide and its culture war thing has made it so much easier with is that as the county just keeps getting flooded with more and more n- new residents who have no sense of the history mm-hmm. and no understanding of what it was before they got here then they're voting off, you know, the the mail pieces and the you know the robocalls and all the things telling you that somebody's a communist and the other one's a real conservative, or or, and that's
1: it. or they have no, like you or said, right they're now. coming from outside and they're being told. But if we do this, if we get rid of these city governments, you know, say they live in yeah. the mainland. Oh yeah, you'll have and, good and, parking. and right. Yeah, and we build you this parking garage, you're going to be able to get to the beach every point. day all the time. And they may not understand that actually, that's right. probably not the likely outcome.
0: Of Definitely that. not true. You're not. You could not build enough parking garages. You'd have to knock every house on the island down if you wanted to start satisfying not only current demand, but again, it doesn't seem like they're going to stop, you know, until we're fully built out. Give, Especially with this, you know, the the thing that we saw with the racetrack with this, the the can of worms that that Lakewood Ranch east of the FDAB exception thing of the continuity and all that nonsense where, uh, yeah, you could pretty much build wherever you want. And we, we, we were just kidding when we said we're going to kind of draw the line here. Um, Speaking of the island, the beach market is back. So, not locally, right?
1: It's a little bit of a schlep if you want to go, go and visit it now because I guess- So, tell us about a, that. So, it, it's uh, going to be held in Osprey at the point. Um,
0: Oh, in Sarasota County? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Uh,
1: <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's not. It's not really the beach. Now, my understanding is that uh, the market manager she she has not given up effort to try okay. and find other locations and get something nearer. But this was the first thing to come together, and I think there was. Uh, you know, it's been several months now, and I think there's been a lot of concern over people who who made you know, part of their, their well, income.
0: Well, kudos to Sarasota County, because you'll get what was a beloved product here. Um, But you're right. Nobody's driving from Anna Maria or Bradenton to Osprey with the way traffic is these days. Uh But what about this plan that the county, this detailed plan that uh, Administrator Hopes mentioned in a recent you know, workshop?
1: So that so w- that was interesting. So in the workshop, um Commissioner Cruz mm-hmm. brought up about the beach market, and he said, you know, kind of get this sense that maybe this you know was it's just faded into the background hoping that we're all just going to kind of forget about it and then there's no beach market like there was going to be a beach market there was a plan there was a hurricane it was postponed like what is going on with beach market and um we've asked those questions and in the most recent work session where that came up the legislative one uh was where this discussion was had uh scott hope said there is a plan. Well. My most recent and now I have I have followed up again and submitted another records request for this plan, but I had already requested copy and anything related to this plan be it drawings of the plan location how many employees were going to work there where was the money coming you know being budgeted from to get it kicked off we've heard that the water taxi is somehow going to fund, supplement yeah. fund. Uh, or the beach market's going to fund supplement the water taxi, which another weird thing, the water taxi never came up in that work session
0: to my did knowledge.
1: Not. did not. Nobody questioned about that. Uh, but apparently we're having pontoon boats
0: built maybe right now. And nobody questioned whether we still don't have a contract with the vendor that we're building boats with. Go ahead. But anyhow,
1: so I have submitted another records request for the plan, the the expected uh, including what are the county's projections on um anticipated revenue? What how much how much funding will be generated from this beach market under the the county's organizing. It was as recent ago is November 24th that that similar request was answered with a there is no records there is no plan there's nothing we can provide you but at the january 5th was it <laughs> work session that was a real quick turnaround right, on that right gosh plan. Well, scott hopes. maybe he is as good
0: as he constantly
1: <laughs> <is> a plan <laughs> so i have resubmitted that request based on those statements i'm waiting i haven't heard back
0: but that is it would seem an easy request to fulfill just Send a plan. <laughs> well, and there's
1: got to be, I mean, come on. What Wasn't this, this was taken over by the county back in, what was it, August?
0: Manatee County, September, where good government goes September,
1: to die. <laughs> and how could you not have any sort of calculations on the benefit to taking it over to begin with? Right. Nothing, I guess.
0: Maybe Tidal Bomb was involved in it and that kind of threw a wrench in it now that they don't have a fourth deputy county administrator. <laughs> I don't think so, but who knows? All right, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Guys, thanks, guys and gals. Thanks a lot for listening. We've gotten uh, plenty of emails from new residents who are new subscribers and enjoying our product and unfortunately learning a lot of hard lessons about the community they've just moved to. So we welcome everybody and... Uh, Especially, you new people, please stay engaged. Please follow along uh, with what your local government's doing, because as you'll see over and over again, if you wait until the things have already been done, they're pretty much impossible to undo. So you've got to follow along. You've got to see the issues being previewed. You have got to see what they're voting on, and then you've got to, you know, make it known that you know you're active and you're engaged, and you don't don't support it or don't stand for you know whatever that issue is. We saw a lot of good. Uh, um, citizen participation this week. We really the, did. Yeah, on the uh, this monument issue, proving again that it's going to be a great distraction as I wrote in last the, week's column. The Petland issue. The Petland issue as well. It's going to be a great distraction, but it's also showing that people are engaged and seeing this and And, and, no. and even questions about the
1: agenda and what's being posted on the agenda and when are they being amended. Yes. I mean, some really great yes. engagement. I was inspired by that. And I feel like we are seeing more and more of that. So, and I agree with you new folks to the community you know if you if you're buying a home here and you're starting to work here and You know, you are a part of our future here now. So please do.
0: And for our readers, if you meet people that are new here, send them our way so we can get them on board (laughs) and keep them informed. And uh, as always, if you can do the voluntary subscription on our website, it's just $7 a month and it helps us continue to bring you fact based news and analysis without an agenda. This has been the Bradenton Times Podcast. For Don Kitterman, I'm Mitch Maley, and we'll see you next week.